On this episode of Blue 58, the Packers took care of business against a team they were supposed to beat. What can we take away from this game, if anything? And will Ron Zook be packing his bags by Monday afternoon? Let's find out. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast for thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Very excited to be joining you after another Packers win. Just the fourth time this season we've been saying that. Let's not focus too long on that particular part of things. The Packers won today, and normally we would go through this game in our typical post-game format. What happened, why did it happen, and then a bunch of random observations before we focus on what happens next. This week, that's pretty simple. What happened? Well, the Packers beat the Dolphins, who are bad. Why did it happen? Because the Dolphins are bad. Instead of doing that and trying to just draw some meaning out of why exactly the Packers were able to beat the Dolphins who are not a great team, let's look at a few big questions. Three of them in particular that I think kind of get to the thrust of what's going on with this Packers team right now. First and foremost, was Aaron Rodgers actually good today? The raw numbers are pretty okay. Even good, you might say. 19 of 28 on the afternoon, that's 67.8% passing. Much better than what we've seen at times this season, especially over the last five games. He threw for 199 yards, which is below probably what you would expect, but given how much they were getting out of Aaron Jones and where they ended up on the field a few times, I think the the yardage is not the biggest thing there. Two touchdowns, fine. Uh, One of those I think was more impressive than the other. The throw to Adams, or the second throw to Adams, uh, was real impressive, I thought. Um, But, you know, just the touchdowns in and of themselves were not spectacular. But... um, In addition to the stats, I think he just looked better physically than he has in a long time. Last week, he was supposedly healthy, but this week, he looks like he is actually feeling healthy. I don't know if you can put a real substantive definition on what the difference between those two things are, and obviously just one guy's opinion, but I think if you just watch how he was moving today, you can kind of get what I'm getting at there. He just looked like he was more in command of his body and felt on top of things a little bit more. But still, even despite that, he was oddly not super sharp at times. Um, Let's look at three situations in particular. The first drive of the second half um, starts off with a throw that's just way, way behind Marquez Valdez-Scantling. No chance at the ball at all. Just an ugly, ugly incompletion. The very next drive, he looked like he was attempting a deep shot, but had a miscommunication between himself and Devontae Adams that led to a ball, again, that nobody had any shot at catching. A little bit odd to see. Uh, On the eighth drive of the game, the Packers' eighth drive, uh, just an odd odd sequence um, on one particular play, third and three. Rodgers kind of gets wrapped up a little bit, uh, spins out of his sack, then just makes a really, really bad decision that very nearly led to an an interception, uh, which was not great. Uh, but then they had the fake punt. Then they had a little bit of an uh, an odd sequence where he went to Devontae Adams twice and ended up not coming up with it either time. The second and seven, he goes for Devontae Adams in the end zone. Pass is too high. Adams really can't pull it in. You could argue that Adams maybe maybe should have caught it anyway, but it, it didn't have to be thrown where it was. Then on the very next play, there's a third and seven, obviously, uh, and then another miscommunication with Adams that just leads to the ball going nowhere. 
All in all, it leads to kind of a mixed performance from Rodgers, which is not what you would like to see at this point in the season, and it's still not clear whose fault entirely this is. And we'll get into coaching-related stuff a little bit later, but it was odd to see. There are some of these throws that are definitely Rodgers' fault, and the miscommunication stuff is definitely Rodgers and Adams, or whoever his receiver happens to be, not being on the same page. And that's that's on the guys on the field. Um, there are elements of coaching that play into that, but ultimately it comes down to the guys that are actually playing. There are other plays, and we'll get to a couple here in a second, that are not super ideal from a play-calling standpoint. And it makes you wonder if Rodgers is being put in the best position to succeed. And by and large, I think there is a fairly good case to be made that he's not, but he's not really executing that well in the situations that he is actually in. So what does that leave us with? Well, another week we're asking questions. You can't just say after this game, yep, Rodgers is back, everything's good, and the Packers are going to be good going forward. I wish it was that simple, but I don't think it's going to be between now and the end of the season, and perhaps ever again. Life is uncertainty. Boy, that got weird in a hurry. Anyway, number two, do the Packers fire Ron Zook now or at the end of the season? I think this game showed pretty clearly that there needs to be a change at special teams coordinator, and it's it's seems like it's going to happen eventually. He's probably not going to get fired on a short week, but stranger things have happened. And what does special teams coordination really come down to? In today's NFL, most of the time, it's just telling guys where to stand and then coming up with a, a decent punt formation and then an occasional fake. Well, two of those three things, I, I suppose you could argue, happened today, although they did get a punt blocked. Uh, but they did have a nice uh, fake punt. Um, but guys couldn't stand in the right spots. Why do I say that? Well, we finally had one single play that really crystallized all of the issues with Ron Zook coordinating the Packers' special teams operations. It's that Lucas Patrick kickoff return. So if you're watching the game, you if you you know what this was by now. You know the play that happened. Lucas Patrick picks up a ball that looks to be bouncing towards the sideline, runs full speed upfield, which is good. That's the only good thing that happened on this play. Slams headlong into guys trying to tackle him, ends up landing on his head and fumbling. The Packers recover. I don't know if it was actually ended up being ruled a fumble, but Patrick is hurt and banged up and all in all just really ugly. Ugly for a bunch of different reasons. First, ugly that Lucas Patrick is out there at all. That is a problem in and of itself. If you follow Ben Fennell, the film analyst guy for The Athletic on Twitter. You know he's been harping on this for weeks now, maybe even all season. But in the new NFL kickoff return formation, you can't do four-man wedges back in your deepest part of the, part of the formation. There are, there are really strict rules for who can line up back there or, or how they can line up. And most teams, all teams in fact, according to Ben, have responded to these new rules by putting more athletic players back there. In the past, teams tried to put lineman types out there. That led to big, vicious collisions between these guys and concussions and all those sorts of bad things. That's what they're trying to legislate out of the game. And every team in the NFL, except the Packers, has responded by doing just that. They're putting tight ends, fullbacks, defensive end, edge rusher types back there. Not the Packers, though. They're rolling out a 300-and-something-pound offensive guard, and that's a problem. 
Uh, it, it just puts the Packers in a bad situation right off the right off the bat because all these other teams on their coverage units have their most athletic guys out there, and you're responding with ten athletic guys and one offensive lineman. Not to say offensive linemen aren't athletic; they're athletic in different ways from every other guy out there on the return or coverage teams. You know what I'm trying to say here, right? He's a professional athlete, sure, but he's a different kind of professional athlete than the other guys you typically see on kickoff return duty. Then that Lucas Patrick picked up the ball at all is a problem. Clearly that ball was going toward the sideline, and if it had been given a chance to roll even a little bit further, it might have become even more clear that it was going to go out of bounds. As we saw later in the game, the Dolphins kicker had a hard time keeping the ball in bounds, and Patrick made a bad decision there. It's difficult to criticize Patrick too much there because he's a guy who's not used to handling the ball, and so he's really more a victim of circumstance than a victim of really making a bad decision. But a bad decision was made, and you put a guy out there who was not equipped to really make a good decision. He's not a ball handler, but you're putting him in a situation where he could handle the ball. This is now the second time this season he's had to handle the ball, and you would really prefer that he wouldn't be touching the ball at all because, again, he's an offensive lineman. So that's a problem, too. That he fumbled is a problem for obvious reasons. Uh, whether or not it was called ultimately as a fumble is kind of immaterial, that it was a possibility becomes a big issue there. And then, to cap it all off, Lucas Patrick gets himself hurt, not blaming him for getting hurt, but the consequences kind of cascade here. Lucas Patrick is an important backup offensive lineman. Not to say anybody else who would be in that position is not important, but having him get hurt makes the Packers really thin at a position where they're already pretty thin. And after Lucas Patrick gets hurt here, what happened later in the game? Well, Byron Bell bangs up his finger. It looks like he dislocated a finger. He wouldn't take his other hand off of it for long enough for us to really get a look, but he was in some serious pain out there on the field. It would be really nice if he had to get his hand taped up or going for x-rays or something, if you could have an offensive guard come in behind him and play there, who isn't Justin McCray, but because Lucas Patrick is out playing around on kickoff returns, and getting hurt doing that, you suddenly don't have that opportunity. Cascading problems as a result of one bad decision. Other special teams-related stuff. Tremont Williams still returning punts. Bad call, even before the fumble. I don't know if you noticed, the Packers are also pretty thin at safety. So if something would happen to Williams, other than him fumbling, suddenly the Packers are in real bad shape there. So exposing yourself to that sort of thing is it seems really really bad I understand why they put him back there because he's dependable and catches the ball and makes good decisions but you're also exposing him to injury and the cascading issues that follow as a result of that then there is the fake punt now the fake punt is good and was a good call and it was great that they picked up the first down on that even if they didn't ultimately get all that much out of it other than a field goal but it, it just seems, even at the time, as it was happening, like, oh boy, things are not going well for me. Better get this call out here since I might not have a chance to use it again. Just seemed a little bit odd, especially with how much the Packers were leading by at the time. I know the the, the game is not over and you got to be competitive all the way through and stuff like that, but still, it was a little bit odd to see. So Ron Zook, not great, uh, to put a capper on that entire discussion, but... 
I think we really finally got one play that sums up why he is, in fact, not super great. So let's hope and pray that that gets sorted out here in the in the relatively near future. I'm not holding out a lot of hope that he is going to be uh, relieved of his duties this week, but you never know. Finally, big question number three. Was Mike McCarthy's scheme a problem? I've been slow to really dive into trying to analyze the scheme for the sake of the scheme. But in this one, you had some examples of the scheme doing some really good stuff and some really bad stuff. The good stuff was pretty good. Uh, This big screenplay to Aaron Jones on the very first drive of the game was gorgeous. Just a thing of beauty. Uh, Actually, a double screen there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers had options to both sides. I think he was always going to go with Jones there, but it ended up working out very well that he did because Jones picks up a big play, and it, it was great to see. So that that was really cool. That Aaron Jones second touchdown run was also fantastic play design. You've got Equinemy of St. Brown coming around on the block, uh, a thing that Lance Kendricks typically does or typically lines up in that sort of situation. Uh, there was one play earlier this year where Jones had a big run on a similar block by St. Brown. And obviously, I think they like what he does there with a, with his size there uh, being a blocker. So a good play design on both of those called at good times. So good scheme-related stuff there. If you if you want to harp on the scheme, I think you got to do the good and the bad. And there was uh, some very good things in this game to like from a scheme perspective. But there's also some issues with play sequencing. Very big issues. Calling plays in a sequence gives you an opportunity to set things up for subsequent plays, and build off of what each play does for the balance of the rest of the game. It's also really important in down and distance situations. You want to be really peaking on your money downs, third down and fourth down. And, you know, let's say, for example, there was a back-to-back situation of third and fourth down plays where the Packers made some odd choices that we could take a look at. Oh, wait, there is. Third drive of the game. Third and two for the Packers. And, you know, you need two yards. What are you probably thinking here? You probably want to have a, you know, a quick out, something to your running back, something to your tight end over the middle, something like that, right? You only need a couple yards. Why not put your playmakers in a position to just get those two yards? You don't have to get much more than that. Just keep your drive going. Not in Mike McCarthy's world because on this particular play, they have three receivers in the route. Two of them were going more than 10 yards downfield. That seems a little bit odd to me. You're not trying to get 10 yards. You're trying to get two yards, maybe three yards, just to be safe. So that was odd to see. But then on fourth down, fourth and two, the Packers leave the offense on the field. They're they're rolling a little bit on offense. They're playing well. But what do they do? They line up with Devontae Adams in the backfield and Jimmy Graham blocking Robert Quinn. Now, I don't know if you've heard this, but Jimmy Graham is not really known for his blocking abilities. And instead of, you know putting him in a position to do something he's good at, you're going to have him block Robert Quinn, who is a good pass rusher. Well, predictable results there. A sack, turnover on downs, and the the Dolphins get the ball at the Packers' 45-yard line. Just a weird time to get weird on fourth down there, and you didn't have to. This is a time where you turn Aaron Rodgers loose and just say, just get the two yards however you can. Put four guys out in 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 the route, and have him have him get it however he needs to. Don't rely on Jimmy Graham blocking Robert Quinn one-on-one. That was the design of the play. And it looked like maybe Rodgers had checked him into that block 
at the line, but still, that he was in a position where that's an option is weird. And that, that is the sort of thing, this sort of play calling is the thing that gets you in trouble against better teams. Fortunately, the Packers are playing the Dolphins this week, but this is the stuff that gets you beat against the Patriots and against the Rams or, you know, the Seahawks this week or the, the, the Vikings the week after that. This is the, the sort of stuff where, where things get to be a problem and beat you against better teams. Those are the three big questions I want to take a look at. Let's, let's turn to a couple random observations here, and then, uh, then we'll call it a night. Uh, first, this kind of felt like a preseason game. The result never really seemed in doubt, uh, or like it mattered for that matter, but also because we had Kevin Harlan and Rich Gannon in the booth, who, as you will know if you're a Packers fan who watches a lot of preseason football, they are the people who call the stuff for the Packers TV network in the preseason. Uh, Rich Gannon is not a terrible color guy. He gets a little bit overenthusiastic, and you can see sometimes why he's not one of the higher, why Harlan and Gannon is not one of the higher end broadcast teams for CBS, but Gannon isn't terrible. And it, it, maybe that's just because I know that he has a deep affinity in his heart for the Packers and, you know, does those games in the preseason and all that, but it's hard to be hard on him because he, he doesn't take a lot off the table but he doesn't bring a lot to the table either as an announcer. Harlan, I can take or leave. I used to like him a lot more, and I've just kind of cooled on him. I I can't really put a reason on why, but um, Gannon had a couple funny lines, unintentionally funny. Uh, First, uh, he compared Frank Gore to a a Cabernet. They they always want to do the aging like fine wine remark when you have anybody who's over 30 playing well in the NFL. Frank Gore, I guess, fits that description of playing well as he ages, but... Aging a wine doesn't necessarily make it better. I do have to point out uh, that is a common misconception. But secondly, think about what you know about Frank Gore and think if he compares well to a really fancy high-end aged wine. No, of course not. That's just a bad analogy. If, if, if Frank Gore is a wine, he's like a really dependable table wine that you order when you go to your favorite restaurant again and again and again and again, and it's always the same and you always know what you're getting, and it's consistent year after year after year. That's Frank Gore. He's not a fancy aged wine. uh, Tom Brady is like a fancy aged wine, not Frank Gore. I have wine thoughts, I guess. Um, But then later in the game, uh, (laughs) Rich Gannon, uh, they they had a picture of the the Packers Super Bowl uh, 31 victory trophy presentation, and Rich Gannon goes out of his way to point out Kevin Harlan's dad, Bob. Um, And Harlan was obviously uncomfortable with that because, well, why might that be? Uh, Well, if you're doing a broadcast and you're obviously supposed to be pretty neutral, you probably don't want people bringing up that you happen to be related to one of the most significant figures in Packers history. Not great. But Gannon is just such a goof that it's hard to get mad at him. I feel like I'm getting mad at a golden retriever or something. Just a nice guy who doesn't screw up the game. Doesn't make it terrible to listen to. But I can I can see if you were someone who was like, I, I don't like Rich Gannon, I would not argue with you either. Uh, weird equipment stuff. Not weird, uh, just notable. Blake Martinez has, was wearing some ginormous wrist guards early in the game. I didn't, didn't take note if he was still wearing them late in the game, but they were odd and big and... Bulky. That was a little bit unusual to see. Did have a lot of heavy tape on his ankle, too. That was expected. The wrist guards were not. Uh, I don't know if he's done this before. I've certainly never noticed it, but Devontae Adams was wearing a pretty big chain uh, under his equipment, too. 
a big neck chain, which is a little bit on the flashy side for him, but I kind of dug it, thought it looked pretty good. Um, Jair Alexander had a pretty quiet game for his recent standards, but um, I think it should be noted that as great as he is in the passing game, he's also pretty decent against the run. He's very, very aggressive. And a good example of this is a, a second and goal play in the Dolphins' fourth drive. Uh, they ran kind of a toss or off-tackle run with a pulling guard, and Alexander takes on the guard and blows up the entire play by going low. He takes out the guard, and the running back has to go around him. It slows everything down, and Martinez, or Blake Martinez, is able to come in and just clean things up, gets an easy tackle. Just great, great stuff, and little stuff like that seems to have been missing on the Packers' defense the last few years. Adding in a guy like Alexander, adding a new coordinator like Mike Pettin has changed that around a lot, and that was really cute, cool to see. Not cool to see, Equinemius St. Brown's crackback block for which he was flagged, was completely Bush League. That that was just really bad. Uh, it's a bad look for EQ. It's a bad look for the Packers. It's an obvious penalty now. That's something that's going to get called every single time. Even if you don't go high, that's going to be a penalty. They, they outlawed that. And just it, completely unnecessary since Devontae Adams was going out of bounds anyway. Just a bad play all around. Really boneheaded thing from uh, Equinemius St. Brown, which was which is unusual because he seemed like a really really smart player to this point. Um, for the small but vocal group of Raven Green fans out there, tonight was your night. Man, one tackle, had a sack, had a pass breakup, and his first career carry on a fake punt. Lots of energy. Seems like he's having fun out there. There's a lot to like about the way that he plays. So that was pretty cool to see. Speaking of James Crawford. Uh, He is also fun to watch, even if you don't see him a lot outside of special teams. Just an absolute missile out there, especially on kickoff return or uh, kickoff coverage. Just cool to see he is always around the ball. Uh, It's a serious departure from a guy who used to wear number 54 in Green Bay uh, and uh, never really developed into anything much. James Crawford at least knows what he is. Even if he isn't getting in on, on defense, he's playing hard on special teams for sure. Uh, Speaking of special teams, Trey Carson was getting some reps on the Packers punt return team. Uh, Their number three running back guy that they promoted from the practice squad now on the active roster getting reps on punt return. So Packers keeping all three of their running backs active and uh, getting them into the game on special teams. Cool to see. Finally, and finishing on a bit of a down note here, but uh, shout out to Jakeem Grant. Non-contact injuries, you know, you see whenever somebody has a really gross, gruesome injury, like getting their knee caved in when they're trying to hurdle over something, or you know you know the stuff, um, you always see the videos going around online, those are hard to watch. But in a weird way, almost harder to watch for me are non-contact injuries, where guys are just running full speed, and all of a sudden you can see it on their face that something has gone horribly wrong. Their entire body just changes. And that's the the feeling that I got when uh, when you saw Jakeem Grant go down. Uh, looked like an Achilles injury. Don't want to speculate there, but it was tough to see. So hope he he gets better and hopes hope it's not serious because you know these guys are all human beings too, and I think we can you know feel bad for guys that get hurt on any team that we watch, uh, whether they're our team or the opposing team. What happens next for the Packers? Well, off to Seattle on a short week. Thursday night football, here we come. And it is going to be a color rush game. The NFL made this optional, but it looks like the Packers and Seahawks are going to participate, which means the Seahawks are going to be very, very bright in their neon green uniforms, which I kind of don't hate. 
I know, I feel weird about it too. And the Packers in their all-white uniforms, which also I do not hate. And I feel weird about that too. Um, this is the first time the Packers are going to be wearing those outfits on the road, which is interesting to see. Uh, but, you know, could be worse. Could have been all yellow. That would have been something to see. Uh, kind of glad they went with the white. But, uh, you know, the color rush is kind of silly. So I'm glad the, the Packers kind of opted out of it in a weird way. Uh, Seattle had a slugfest with the Los Angeles Rams today. 36-31 uh, the final there. They came out on the short end. So it's not like they're going to be on their best or at their best either. Both teams could be a little bit gashed. Uh, Packers are a little bit banged up. Uh, but the, the Seahawks uh, went through the ringer today. Uh, the Packers are going to need to play a good game. They're going to need to play at least as well as they played today, probably better. And they've got a number of injuries to watch. Jair Alexander left a little bit late. Uh, Bashad Breland also got some treatment on the sideline. Nick Perry limped off the field, which maybe possibly could finally precipitate a move at edge rusher. And then Aaron Rodgers on his last throw of the night, that 19-yarder to Lance Kendricks, must have banged his wrist or something because he was holding it funny. Um, it looked like he was in some some obvious pain there, so that's that's something to watch as we go through a short week here. What can you expect from Blue 58? Well, you're getting a normal show for Monday. Obviously, you're listening to that right now. We're going to bump up the preview show to Wednesday and then a recap show for Friday. Next week, we'll see what happens. We may treat it a little bit like a bye week, not have a show Monday, but then resume on Wednesday as per usual. We'll see. It, it kind of depends how the weekend goes. i got some family stuff going on this weekend. Um, not that you care, but I'm going to see Michigan play Indiana University. Got a lot of connections to both of those schools. Um, but that's neither here nor there, and it happens on Saturday anyway. What I'm trying to say is we'll see what happens as far as uh, getting a show out for next Monday. But uh, for right now, you can listen to this Monday show right here and now. Thank you for listening to this one in particular. Uh, we'll see you throughout this week. It's going to be a fun one. I don't hate Thursday night football. It's I think it's weird and unnecessary, but I don't hate it. The only part I really don't like is having to stay up late to watch it. But that's just an old man complaint, and you know we got to deal with it. So we'll see you throughout this week. Thank you very much for listening and for going to thepowersweep.com and for interacting with us wherever you do. Never hesitate to reach out however you choose to do it, either on Twitter, on Facebook, or via email. We do appreciate it, and uh, we love hearing from you. Thank you again for listening to this episode. We'll see you Wednesday. Blue 58, hit, hit.